welcome back everyone to your favorite 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 <laughs> women focused pop culture podcast as ever i'm helena and i'm francesca this week i am not uh, masquerading as francesca uh, <laughs> and uh we're back hello uh this week we've got a multitude of stuff that we're gonna chat about and we have a brand new author that we're interviewing uh, which we'll get to in a second but this week our kind of theme we've actually landed on is reality shows um so you'll see why in a second so Francesca do you want to introduce our guest for this week yeah so our guest is the author Helly Acton she is the writer of the brand new novel her debut novel The Shelf which as Helena said kind of takes the idea of reality tv and our kind of collective obsession with reality TV, which, you know, is sort of longstanding, isn't it? And has almost become, I think during lockdown and during, you know, the pandemic as well, it's it's become even more popular if that was possible. Yeah, for sure. And so Heli Acton takes that premise and runs with it as the idea for her novel. So the book is about this woman, Amy, who's in a long-term relationship with this guy and she kind of thinks he might be going to propose to her and she thinks they might go on a you know romantic retreat where that's going to happen and he he basically he's told they're going to go on holiday but he hasn't said what they're doing or where they're going Mm -hmm. and then when it comes to it what actually happens in a bizarre turn of events is that he drops her off at this mysterious house (laughs) drops her off literally basically literally (laughs) dumps her yeah and then she realises that it's all happened live on TV mm-hmm. and that she's actually unwittingly ended up on this kind of nightmarish TV show concept where she, along with five other women, are dumped on TV and then have to compete in a series of strange challenges and tasks in the hope of being crowned a keeper, meaning that they are then, you know, suitable to be somebody's wife and girlfriend yeah yeah um yeah absolutely so the book itself sort of plays with this idea of what reality shows mean to us today where they could be heading to um, and equally what are expectations of women not just where do they come from but more what are they what are people saying and actually what should women be expected to do um that's a big question that i think heli is very uh, interested in heli herself as francesca said is a debut novelist this is her first book it was published back in June, so it's actually now available in all good bookshops and in audiobook. And the audiobook, which we were lucky enough to listen to, is narrated by Normal People's Daisy Edgar Jones. So she does some really great voices. Um, and we chat with uh, chat with Helly all about um, what what it was like having Daisy do the reading of the audiobook too. And I think the novel itself, you'll find if you read it, is like very, it, it's twists and turns and it's unexpected in ways. And you, yeah, I think it's a really challenging, interesting book. Don't you think, Francesca? Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, when I was describing that that premise, I was thinking again, like, you know, it does get you angry. It gets you mm. kind of outraged to think of this happening to these women without their consent and without their knowledge. And then, you know, that is really the crux of the book, you know, that that sort of way that that the idea makes you, or that way that the the show makes you feel mm. is the way it makes the characters in the book feel yeah. you know they're not happy to be there and they're not happy with this sort of patriarchal sexist concept and they sort of bandy together these six women and find a way of sort of beating the system yeah so it's quite satisfying and challenging in in that sense um, yeah 
and it's also really good fun i think you end up with all the, these different women from different backgrounds mm. and di different places in their life yeah. but they all are like united in having yeah. basically been unfortunate enough to have some really pretty bad boyfriends um, yeah yeah who do something that may or may not be illegal when they yeah. <laughs> they dump them without their consent on the show but that is also dealt with in the book um yeah uh, so yeah i definitely when i whilst listening i remember i was texting francesca saying this is not legal yeah <laughs> I, think this, I think this is really happening but then actually what it points to is how a lot of what reality tv shows do to people kind of stretches the moral and legal limits, I suppose. You know, it takes the rules and sort of bends them a bit. So uh, Hallie is certainly um, questioning and discussing all of these things um, with the th events of the novel. Uh, so really excited to get to chat to Hallie. Um, we'll also get into some stuff about our thoughts on the book more uh, kind of more in depth and also some chats about some recent reality TV shows we have liked or want to comment on later in the show. But right now, yeah. uh, we're going to get started, I guess, uh, with the chat with Heli. Yeah. So let's go. Anyone unfamiliar to the book, do you think you could give us a, a spoiler free, as far as is possible, I suppose, a summary of the shelf? Yes, hi, and thanks for having me. Um, no problem. So The Shelf is a fun sort of tongue-in-cheek take on our obsession with coupling up, settling down, um, and also reality TV as well. And it follows the story of Amy, our hero, who thinks that she is being whisked away on a dream holiday um, to have her long-term boyfriend pop the big question. But instead of asking her to marry him, her boyfriend dumps her on the set of a really brutal new reality television show called The Shelf. And on the shelf, she's joined by five other women from different walks of life. And they all have to take part in these crazy sexist challenges to prove their worth as women and to be crowned the keeper in the show finale and win a million pounds. But um, the women uh, actually club together and decide to rewrite the show rules. Well, yeah, thank you so much for that summary. And on paper, the premise for The Shelf as this reality TV show seems quite outrageous, but not within the realms of possibility. It seems like perhaps a natural step on from some of the really over-the-top premises for reality shows that are currently on the air. So we wondered what inspired the idea for the novel in terms of the reality TV that is out there at the moment. Yeah, um, well, a lot, really. The whole uh, the shelf as a story began with a conversation I had on holiday with friends, and we were discussing, like, what reality show we'd choose to go on if we were forced to. And we were also discussing, like, how far reality shows have come. You know, like, back in the day, they started with, um, like, MTV's Real... Is it Real Life? And then it went to Big Brother. And those, in comparison to some of the reality shows that we see nowadays, quite tame. Um, but, yeah, you've got shows like Naked Attraction, um, I'm a Man of prude and so <laughs> that would be my worst nightmare going on that um uh and you've got other shows that other people wouldn't want to go to like i'm a celeb uh where that would be horrific for some people then we st so we started get we started talking about this and we started wondering like how far they are going to push reality shows and what people will put up with um for that little bit of fame or whatever reason they're going on shows for um and then I began to think that there's so many reality shows about finding love and finding the one, but there don't seem to be many reality shows about losing love, um, you know, or losing the one. So I began to wonder what a show like that could look like. Um, I think and in society and especially on television show and in books as well, I think there's so many, you know, we're, we're 
obsessed with this idea of you know the love story which is wonderful I love love stories but we're obsessed with like finding someone finding a partner and all our so many of our tv shows are about that um, I wanted to do the opposite and sort of subvert that yeah and yeah, you do do that in a really fun and interesting way um and the idea is that all the men who leave their significant others on the shelf say that there's something wrong with them or something that needs changing or something that's quote unquote wrong with the relationship so we wondered why did you want to kind of focus on this idea of men putting expectations of what they believe is proper relationship behavior on women and the idea of women being assessed by their status as a good wife or girlfriend or mother um i wanted to um show sort of men um or, or it was it was less i think about men putting their girlfriends on the show in order for them to judge them and validate them. It's actually more, what I'm trying to say more is about society as a whole and how women feel a lot of pressure to be perfect all the time when it comes to their career, their home life, their looks, fitness, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So really what I wanted to put out there was that it's society as a whole doing that. It's not just men judging women, it's women judging other women as well and just um, different generations judging each other. So it's really, and you know, you get, you get features like the wall in the book, which is a, a comments feed, uh, a live comments feed where the contestants can see what the public is saying about them. So really, it, it wasn't necessary. I wasn't going out to show, you know, suggest that all men bash, you know, all men judge women. And I certainly didn't want the book to be man bashing. But um, I, I just wanted to show that, if, you know, we all have to live up to society's expectations. Um, and that's the pressure we feel. And that's how, how we're judged. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that comes over. Um really well particularly with the challenges the women face and i think what's really interesting about the shelf you mentioned the common wall comment wall again there i don't think in my memory a reality show like of islands had that kind of live comment wall yet but that doesn't mean it's out of the question that someone would think of that and so i have I, when i was reading i did get this sense that like there was this dystopic aspect to the novel which you know takes what we understand what we recognize about reality shows and just takes it a little bit further to like what we might see in the future you know you create the shelf this reality show that actually borders kind of on outrageous in how invasive it is um yet you know in the novel the shelf is very very popular with people um and i think this idea that like you know this quote stuck with me this idea no one cares about dignity anymore someone else says that so you know with all those this kind of like ideas bouncing about you know what do you think like the shelf and this kind of quote says about the fact about reality shows and about how the modern world responds and thinks of them um well, thanks for picking up on the dystopic nature of the novel. Um, that was definitely something I wanted to get across when I wrote it. You know, The Shelf is a very sort of light read. It's easy, it's fun. Um, but I I also wanted to give it a slightly darker undertone and a slight Black Mirror vibe as well to it. Um, and, you know, on, on that note, I, I do think The Shelf as a reality television show concept isn't actually that far-fetched at all and I can definitely imagine it happening. Um, in terms of what it says about society, I suppose when I when I started writing the book and imagining this sort of world that they lived in for a month, um, what I was trying to create was a sort of environment that represents our society and our environment even outside a television studio because you know you've got things like the wall people do read comments about themselves all the time um the wall was actually inspired by the daily mail 
comment section. So when I was writing those comments, I actually had to do some research into how the public speak to reality television stars. And it was some really dark and uncomfortable reading. Um, but the wall was, yeah, those, the, the copy I wrote there was definitely inspired by real comments. Um, and so really the, the, the show setting was supposed to represent, you know, society and our environment that we all live in anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. And um, one of the other things we really appreciated about the book is that it does bring to life the experiences of a diverse set of women from across the UK, different ages, different backgrounds and different sets of experiences. But as you mentioned earlier, they all come together and really help one another out and connect with each other. Was it important to you to spotlight different facets of modern womanhood? Yeah, well, absolutely. And, um, you know, diversity is obviously vital. And it was really important to me that I included women from all backgrounds, all ages um, uh, in the story. Um, and, uh, you know, when when I was writing all the characters, I wanted the readers to be able to relate to to different characters individually. That's why I tried to represent quite a diverse cast um, in saying that though, um, you know, I can only write from my own experience and background. Um, so someone like Jackie, who's a black solicitor who struggled with gender and racial bias, um, you know, that kind of story isn't mine to tell. I don't have that experience as a white woman, but I did want to make sure that the cast of the characters were diverse um, and from a range of different backgrounds and with a mix of issues they were dealing with. Um, and also because that's the most realistic as well, like I said, the shelf itself was supposed to represent sort of, the set was supposed to represent society. So I needed to include equal representation in society. And that's what I tried to achieve. Yeah. 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 And I think that certainly comes across. Um, particularly, there's a particularly interesting inclusion um, of a character called Flick, who um, is noted by other characters as wanting to be this kind of perfect 1950s housewife. And throughout the novel, she stands by those ideals, even as she starts to learn other things about herself. And the main character, Amy, notes that that is indeed her choice to do. Um, so there is this ha traditional housewife character included. Um, and like, why did you want to include that specific experience, which perhaps is a bit more unusual now? And kind of what did you want to say? about that 1950s housewife role in the modern day? Yeah, well, what I wanted to say with Flick as a character on the shelf being this sort of more traditional female role representation was that um, feminism is a choice. So I don't think that it's particularly feminist to bash women who do want to live in that way or do want to make that choice in how they live. So like like I was saying, you know, it had to, uh, I wanted to represent diverse views, diverse women, diverse backgrounds. Um, and I do think there are women um, in this day and age who are more flick and who do sort of have those traditional values and, um, you know, it's it's all about it's all about not judging people for how they want to live. You know, as long as it doesn't harm anyone. And um, for, yet, for me, really, it's a, the the most important thing about feminism is that it's a choice, and you know, we're here to lift women, not judge them. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really great, and and as you say, just very representative of the world that we live in to see a diverse set of characters. But that said, the relationships spotlighted in the novel are all heterosexual relationships. Did you consider bringing same-sex or non-gender conforming couples into the mix at any point? 
Um, at one point in one of my many drafts, I did consider bringing in um, a same-sex relationship. Um, and while I did explore that, in the end, I decided not to just because, like I was saying before, that's not really my experience. And I didn't really want to uh, write um, a relationship story that could have gone quite deeply, especially with a therapist on the show, um, that I couldn't understand, you know, I I didn't have experience of and therefore I might have risked not understanding. Um, you know, I can only do so much research um, and I, I was just nervous that that's not my story to tell. Um, and so that's, you know, my story, my experience is heterosexual relationships and that's what I want that's what I felt most comfortable portraying in the book in saying that um you know I uh, in the future that doesn't mean I would never explore those kind of stories but I'm definitely still learning I'm still educating myself on things like that so once I feel comfortable and confident enough to do that I, I will do that yeah absolutely um and to kind of tack into the men of the novel, uh, I suppose, um, there are many male characters in the novel, but there aren't really many that actually have that much of a long-term starring role. And, you know, those we see a bit more of tend to be kind of more unlikable, um, you know, representations of sex attitudes, you know, and they're sidelined because, of course, they're not the main characters. Um, you know, while reading, actually, the reader might kind of find themselves looking for, like, a good man for Amy to be with, you know, a romantic lead to become Amy's new love interest, but that doesn't actually happen. Did you like consciously set out to not give her a love interest and to not do that with her story um, and to kind of subvert what people might expect of a novel? Uh, yes, it was always my intention um, that this was a self-love story, not a typical love story where, you know, you find the one and you ride off into the sunset. Um, you know, the main message I want readers to take out of the book um, is that, you know, you don't have to be in a relationship to be happy or you don't have to have someone in your life to prove your worth. Um, so it was really from the start, I knew what the ending would be. Um, and, and yeah, and 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 that's how it ends. And you know, Amy finds herself again. She considers herself the one. Um, and really, it was all about just getting across that message that we aren't in a life race, and that life race that we all think we're in, it's made up. You know, and that we should all live life at our own speed and in our own style, and that doesn't necessarily mean being in a relationship. Yeah, and that was, you know, a really satisfying journey for Amy to go through. Um, and you kind of mentioned it just there that we wondered, um. Did you always know who was going to be crowned the winner of The Shelf, the reality TV show that, you know, is, is the premise for the novel? Or did that change and morph as the story developed? And did you ever consider another character maybe winning? I did consider other characters winning The Shelf. Um, I'm quite a methodical writer. You know, when I start writing, I have a plan and I know where the story is going across all of the chapters and I know how it's going to end and that's my goal um, in saying that as I was writing it um, and I was exploring all of these different characters there were times where I thought oh it would be so great if this character won because you know what a heartbreaking story and what a rise that would be um, and so you know it, it was a fleeting thought um, that I entertained um, and certainly um, a couple of characters stood out as as good contenders to do it. Uh, in the end, it made sense. Um, you know, the person who won it, that, that made most sense to me and I was happy with that ending. I even considered not telling anyone who, who won, but I thought that would be really cruel to the readers, so I didn't do that. <laughs> it certainly makes a point, doesn't it, about does it really matter who won um, the prize of the shelf in the end? Uh, yeah, also, 
there's a different edition to the book out there, including an audio book, which we were actually lucky enough to listen to. Uh, and the narrator is Daisy Edgar Jones of Normal People fame, who is absolutely wonderful narrator. And as an author, kind of what was it like having her involved with the project? Um, and was there any chance to sort of talk to her about it? Or were you more sort of just watching it happen, I suppose? Well, when I heard that Daisy Edgar Jones was going to read for the shelf, I was completely stunned and floored and almost confused like how like how is this happening what is life because um I obviously watched her like the rest of the nation in normal people and she was so brilliant um and it all happened it all happened so quickly like I heard that they were uh, I heard the publishers might be approaching her and then just a few days later you know it transpired that it was going to happen um and uh, she was going into the studio sort of pronto I didn't unfortunately have the chance to speak to her covid be damned um and uh but I did I did send her a gift of um, a signed copy of the shelf uh which i'm hopefully she received and liked but um no i mean her her voice is just an absolute dream and i think it was so impressive how she managed to get across so many different characters from from those different backgrounds um in such a short space of time it blows my mind yeah that, we thought that too <laughs> yeah yeah she's amazing mm-hmm. at accents isn't she and uh, bringing all those characters to life yeah. and on that note, um, we read that The Shelf was actually optioned for TV before it had actually even been published, which is really exciting. And we wondered um, whether you'd be able to tell us anything about that process, how that's coming along, or even just how you, if you ever imagined it on TV, because of course The Shelf, the the sort of fictional show is a TV show. So mm-hmm. it's quite interesting to imagine how that might work as a fictional piece of television. Yes, so The Shelf on TV. Well, I was always, um, I, I did imagine it as a TV show, but I couldn't decide in my mind whether it would be an actual reality show and like whether that would be really awful and I would like never forgive myself for creating such a monster or <laughs> or whether it would be a dramatised version. So yes, The Shelf has been optioned for TV, which is really exciting, um, by a company called Monumental Pictures who have just done How to Build a Girl by Caitlin Moran, um, which is just incredible. And um, yeah, I don't, um, I can't tell you a lot about it. Um, uh, there's definitely been some movements and some scripts, which is really exciting, but there's no guarantee it's going to go ahead um so it's all it's all in development and uh, we'll just have to see what happens but um it would be phenomenal i would that would just be an absolute dream as well yeah and we were we were talking about this earlier we kind of it's interesting to think about how many films or sorry tv shows have actually represented reality tv so they've been like a show within a show it's really interesting to see um, how they go about creating this fictionalised version of, of the shelf, or they might go the whole hog and just do a reality TV show. <laughs> I know, or, or both. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and have you guys watched Unreal? There is that Unreal show that's out there at the moment, which is about the like a Bachelor kind of show. That's pretty good. Um, so yeah, maybe that that's how they're going to do it. Uh, you know, it's. I do know that it's going to be an eight part. If if it does happen, it'll be an eight part series. So. Which is a light, which is a good number of episodes, I think, for a show. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and uh, yeah, Aniqui, I think yeah, you wrote this novel while at your full time job. You're still at your full time job. So, kind of, what's it? What was it like uh, beginning your debut novel while working, and then having it published and continuing to work? You know, how has that been for you? Um, it's given me eye bags for three years, uh, but <laughs> nothing some good concealer won't cover up. Uh, it's been really exciting. Yeah, I mean. You know, you, you you don't go into this thinking you're going to become, 
you know instantly you know financially free or anything like that it was you know it's a it's a long road and um you know you have to be prepared for that but i mean it's a super exciting journey um and i am slept my day job um uh when i was sort of writing the final edits of the shelf and when it was like full steam ahead you know i was getting up at 4 a.m uh 5 a.m in the morning uh before commuting to work doing the writing on the train sometimes on the tube on my phone um and in the evenings as well so yeah it's quite intense um and you just have to keep on trucking away and making you know have have that end goal in mind and you know what really helps is having an amazing team around me um because the book certainly wasn't a solo uh project you know my my amazing literary agents um and and their editors who helped me uh, get into a place to submit um and then my incredible team at Bonnier uh, at Zaffa who um who hugely helped me create the this this book and make it the best it could be yeah yeah and in this conversation we've talked quite a bit about reality tv and where it is now and where it might go and we were thinking about some of the TV shows that have seized the public consciousness, particularly over the past few months where lots of us have been confined to our homes during lockdown. So we wondered if you had a a favourite recent watch or one that you'd recommend to our listeners or one that maybe you feel like is particularly connected to the shelf in in any way. Well, I'm currently obsessed with Selling Sunset, as I think quite a few people are, um, which is really brilliant. Some quite horrifying viewing as well. Sometimes the way the the people on it speak to each other is um pretty stunning um but the it's got all the glamour you know of amazing properties in LA and it's got all the sort of in inner fighting between the team at this real estate agent um and some really good drama um so I would definitely recommend Selling Sunsets if you like that reality tv show Escape I was really weird in lockdown. I got into some strange shows that I would never normally watch. Like, I really got into sports documentaries, which was odd because I'm not sporty at all. And like Formula One documentaries and The Last Dance, that was pretty amazing. Um, I think it was all about feeling trapped and just wanting to do something different and be adventurous with what I watched. But I think that is the like really sort of pseudo y psychology behind those decisions. But I'm back into my reality show escapism with selling sunset and blow deck as well which is also really good yeah 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 i think one thing i started doing was i suppose you could see it as a reality tv show i've been very into watching those facebook videos of people building things in time lapses um like oh, making things out, like tables out of resin and stuff like i'm obsessed with them those are so addictive those are so addictive you have to watch to the end don't you because yeah, yeah, you just have to see what happens. That's uh, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess as a final question, um, so the book's been out for about a month now. Um, so how has the reaction to the book kind of been? Uh, is there any favourite moments or things you have remembered so far? Um, yeah, it's been incredible. Everyone's been super supportive um, and lovely. Well mostly lovely reviews a couple of quite cruel ones but let's not talk about those um you're always going to get that aren't you someone told me to go back to writing school which was rude um <laughs> oh my gosh it's like a comments war isn't it in real life i know i know exactly it's like oh, oh. um but uh no I, I laugh in the face of those um and but uh some favourite moments has been Marion Keyes and her quote that she gave for the book very early on, which was incredible, because I didn't even know that she had a copy of the book. So when it came through, um, I screamed very loudly and I was in my office and I had to show everyone. And then other favourite moments, well, 
I was on, I, I was uh, interviewed by Joe Wiley on Radio 2, which was incredible because she is just such a legend. Unfortunately, as is my curse, there were technical problems um, with the interview. So I sounded like I was speaking through a pillow for most of it. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can re-record that at some time and I can speak to Joe again because she's just the loveliest. So yeah, I mean, if you ask me whether I'd be speaking to Joe Wiley on Radio 2 a few years ago, I'd have told you you're mad. So it's just been crazy a crazy dream and I'm really loving it and I'm hoping that I can make this a, a proper long-term career fingers crossed yeah absolutely and have you got any projects coming up in the future that you can talk about yet apart from the tv yes I, I do I've got another book out in spring next year um and that book is called a couple um and that's set in a different world uh when society's opinions on marriage and coupling has changed and the norm is to be single uh, so my my two characters in the book have to decide if they'd risk everything for love. It's it's all about examining sort of a post or non relationship world and what that would look like. Yeah, so kind of dystopic again, you know, Handmaid's Tale. Step aside. Yes, exactly. Oh my God, comparing me to that, it'd be amazing. But yeah, pr- pr- probably not as intellectual a read. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. still still thought provoking. <laughs> I think. Yes, yes, I hope so. Brilliant. Yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. I look forward to reading that next year, hopefully. And thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting to us. It's been really interesting to hear all about the shelf and your writing process and reality TV and everything else in between. So yeah, thanks again. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much to Helly for coming on the show and chatting to us. Um, I think we'll get into the novel in a second, but as we said, The Shelf has been was released uh, last month. It's available in all good bookstores and in audiobook. And I think reading this book definitely, when I opened it, it, the, it was saying earlier, Francesca, the premise itself is quite like, once you start reading, you're like, oh, she's being literally dumped on, not just on live TV, but literally dumped on a reality show like she ends up in this room right and then she's in like a big brother style like chat room having this all happen to her and she's like having a breakdown and you're like oh my god like this would never happen in real life like people are headhunted and they're auditioned and everybody knows what's going on but actually the more I read the more I was like wow I actually don't because Heli is so good at creating this atmosphere you know with the crazy host who's really like kind of vapid and stupid and all the people who do guest slots on the show and like the curveballs they throw in and the challenges they give them like it's all infuriating what they try and ask these women to do but then equally it doesn't seem that far removed from reality actually the more you read right yeah it's it's increasingly believable i agree um and i think you're right to kind of um make note of all the sort of tertiary characters mm. who make an appearance because they are often it it seems oh, what's the word like um like pastiches right yeah that's it like pastiches of either real life figures that yeah. we could maybe pinpoint yeah um which i think daisy edgar jones also sort of references in some of her voice acting yeah yeah but also they're just kind of like people that you can completely believe in like the the host is like a kind of is he like a sort of dried up soap star yeah ex-teen star yeah that's it and you're like yeah okay I know exactly who this kind of person is (laughs) and 
you know, he's clearly quite slimy and, you know, he's very, very sexist, which of course completely fits with the, the premise of the show. Yeah. Um, and all of those characters in the world that, that the characters are inhabiting, which is obviously basically our world, it's, mm. you know, very similar, it is just like completely on point. And yeah. I think, you know, you asked a really interesting question to Heli about how the novel felt quite dystopian at times and I think that opening section where where Amy the main character ends up in this house against her will essentially yeah, yeah. and it's kind of weird it's all like pink and there's like Prosecco on tap and so mm. but it almost feels a little bit like perhaps this is too an extreme a comparison but almost a bit like Handmaid's Tale-esque yeah, it's like yeah. you know what what world is she suddenly in where she's like competing to be like the perfect wife and mother and you know it's a really interesting premise and you know the, the book is really funny and like in lots of ways kind of you know it, it's more light-hearted but equally like it does really you know actually recognize some of those issues yeah. head on doesn't it yeah i definitely think that like it's meant to be comedic certainly like the character of adam who is the host is meant to be like really really like uh, annoying but in a funny way like it's not meant to be like he's he's evil or anything like that uh, and equally yeah. all the challenges they do they, they do a motherhood challenge they have to look after these weirdly realistic animatronic babies um there's another one where they have to be like great hostesses and do a little tea party and things like that and those challenges i think are meant to be comedic references to the kinds of things that like women are expected to do and the stupid reality show challenges that are meaningless but are based in like sexism really you know are you a good marriage material and the women themselves very much like criticize what's going on and they definitely don't stand by and say okay and Helly always makes reference to the fact that the women on the show know that they want to pursue their own dreams and they want to pursue their own betterment or not, as some characters don't care about it at all, they aren't interested in being made into perfect women. That is definitely nothing that Heli says is going to happen to them. But equally, it strays from comedic, I think, into like intensely frustrating and intensely and like infuriating because like she's actually so on the nose about the way people react yeah. to these things and the way people like on their comment wall, there's this constant reference to people like having really nasty conversations about the girls or asking them to smile or being like, that one's fit, that one's not. And one person is hated for being boring and things like that. And it's like, well, the women themselves, I think on the show really kind of encompass like this great feminine spirit. The people around them, including the men, unfortunately for the men in this book, none of them are really that nice. Um, they're really, she really gets them on the nose in terms of how, what some people have to put up with. And in the end, like it kind of strayed from comedy into it was too real and I was just getting so infuriated. <laughs> so she, yeah, she's, she really got it. I have to say, like she really hit it on the nose there. Yeah, it's very well observed. And I think, you know, we, we talked to Heli about some of her reality TV inspirations and, mm. you know, she's obviously a keen watcher of that genre and you know the as you say the way that the outside world is reacting to the shelf the television show in the book yeah just feels absolutely 100 percent realistic no it does like you know you can imagine that you would be absolutely horrified by the premise it would probably also be hugely successful mm. and i think that's a really that sort of shows like what a great idea for a book it is really that you know heli has managed to kind of like really as you say hit the hit the nail on the head in terms of this being something that will 
that yeah it's just very believable and yet also quite disturbing and yet and also manages to kind of tell us quite a lot about the role of women in our society today I mean I mean it's you know it is really there are some kind of thought-provoking lines of argument there aren't there like you know Mm -hmm. obviously Amy's feeling as though she wants to get engaged but does she really want to get engaged or does she just feel as though she's like 32 and it's the right moment and you know um various other characters in the book in the book have similar kinds of dilemmas like you know do they really want what they want or is it like more that society has told them that that's what they should want and they I think really rally around one another um, about you know those various dilemmas in a way that's really like genuinely heartwarming and, and provides like a nice um, contrast with the kind of more acerbic and sometimes like downright uncomfortable situations that they're being put in um, via the show. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and and I think that there's some great there's some great things that Helly wants to bring up. I mean, things like like gaslighting or even just you know, to make it a bit less sort of like criminal sounding, uh, misremembering of events and how you stand up for yourself when somebody is saying that uh, things were in a certain way and you knew they weren't. And there's a, you know, there's a really great kind of scene where um, uh, Amy is kind of given a challenge by the reality show to make her ex-boyfriend a sorry supper. And she's like, why the hell would I do that? But then she sort of starts to realise that like the step forwards towards acceptance is not to... Uh, give in and not to be like here are all the ways in which you hurt me which you'd be totally justified in saying and I still am a bit like you could have done that but she takes it forward as a step for moving on and I think yeah she puts her characters in really uncomfortable situations uh, in a way that really makes them tick and I think that really gets down to the deeper heart of who they are and why they want to become you know independent or not depending on what kind of women there is um there's also certainly some uh, interesting like very reality show style extras too like the on-hand therapist right who yeah <laughs> who gives them like a therapy session every week or so going into their deepest darkest things it's meant to be broadcast for everyone to see as well like you know the idea that like reality shows nowadays need to provide mental health check-ins for their um, for their cast because of, you know, some of the very sad kind of post-Love Island um, suicides that have happened in the last few years, things like that. So that's in some ways interesting, but also, like, I think it made me question, certainly, like, what is the role of a, a therapist on a show like this, right? Is it to sort of further the show's goal of betterment? Because I sometimes felt as if the therapist was kind of leading the girl, well, leading Amy on into a certain realisation, right? Rather than letting her have her own realisations. So it made me think too. Yeah. And then the the therapist himself, right, was on the show. Like he chose to be there. And they brought him on to like the guest segments and had him comment and stuff like that. So there's a certain like, I definitely, I found a bit of an uncomfortable juxtaposition between like therapist and reality show therapist. And like, that's an interesting question that I was, maybe I came to of my own, of my own volition too yeah i think that you're right that the therapist character is really interesting because he's also described as like an incredibly ordinary sort of middle-aged man who's quite unassuming and unlike the character of adam the host he's just kind of like doesn't seem particularly interested in the idea of like fame or fortune mm, and yeah. it seems as though he's more there in order to kind of um well, in order to further the experiment, like he almost sees it as a kind of scientific experiment of yeah, like yeah, yeah. how will these women react to these situations and what will the outcome be? Mm. Um, but I think the other random interesting thing from from my end is that while, um, when, I, when I started reading it, 
I said this to Heli, I found myself subconsciously looking for like the new male love interest for Amy, Mm -hmm. which is like bizarre because obviously that's not the concept of the book. But I was like doing that because I feel like I've been kind of conditioned to read quote unquote women's literature in that way so when the therapist was first introduced I was like oh yeah he's definitely gonna be the love interest I, could, I just know it yeah I did, that, I did that like, I did that it's clearly not the case at all and like very satisfyingly you know she she comes out of it like basically looking for ways to be her own person and if that's complemented by a relationship that's great but she doesn't feel she needs to be defined by any kind of relationship which you know is a really satisfying arc you you mentioned about how all the characters are kind of searching for independence. And that's ultimately why most of them decide to stay on the show mm, Yeah, is because they get like a fee for taking part. Um, they're paid quite well. And then there is this kind of ultimate cash prize if they actually win. Yeah, And so they all have different reasons for like wanting to win and what they might do with the money. Um, but that's kind of the motivation, which is ultimately coming from them trying to live the lives that they want to live it's not coming from this idea of any well even like one of the characters who's more interested in the idea of being the quote-unquote keeper she's still kind of not staying on the show for that reason necessarily so that was all really interesting I thought yeah yeah I think definitely too the shelf is out now in all good bookstores and by audiobook and ebook if you like the shelf do con- do connect with us on social media and tell us what you think um, in a true um, reality show style. Uh, we are Real LLW on Twitter and Loves Labour's Watched All Lowercase on Instagram. So you can connect with us there um, if you like the book. And yeah, let us know what you thought of it. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So I was saying to you before, um, before we started recording mm. that it was quite interesting reading the shelf and thinking about reality tv and our kind of collective obsession with it as i yes. said yeah and in as we were saying in some ways the book seems so far-fetched but actually we have seen some really quite unusual and outlandish premises for reality <laughs> tv shows we have that is true although equally i think sometimes some of the most successful are kind of basically just rooted in the idea of watching people relate to one another, mm. which I think also in the shelf is kind of, you know, is, is a, a part of it because they basically live in a kind of big brother type house, don't they? Where yeah. like, yeah. you know, all eyes are on them all the time, which, yeah, that felt very similar to that kind of um, seminal reality TV show that was so big in the noughties. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes like they have, you know, a sort of like, yeah, unusual premise or, you know, it's set in an, a, a place that, most of us haven't been to or whatever you know like for example selling sunset you know spending all their time in these million dollar la homes but what kind of makes the show really addictive is really the relationships between them yeah i agree with that i think like love the only love island i actually ever watched uh, was in 2016 that was i think seemingly the one where the most famous people came out of it right yeah um including camilla the bomb disposal expert and jamie the calvin klein model um and then olivia and chris who won it um and i think i remember watching that and what seemed really interesting about it with a of them was obsessed with it and i think it was its second or third year so it was really up and coming and then after that it got really big um what seemed was amazing about it was actually how everyone became friends on the show like there was some uproar about ways in which the producers like tortured um 
tortured various housemates like when they split the couples up into different houses the boys in one the girls in the other and they brought new housemates in and they sent pictures of one of the boyfriends like looking at another girl to his girlfriend in the other house and everyone was like that is not on and all of the housemates were like that is not on and like interesting the sense of like community and bond and I think you saw like the girls all become like proper friends with each other and like there was one girl who didn't you know, she didn't really feel as if she fit in and she didn't like like all the, the boys that were there and the girls supported her and were like, no, you're awesome. You know, you're really cool. And um, there were some discussions about feminism and Brexit, I think, in one episode. So I think that like what I saw from that show that really struck me was it wasn't just a cat fight and it wasn't just doggy dog and it wasn't just girls and boys trying to steal each other's boyfriends or girlfriends and trying to win I mean yes there were some elements of that but like the drama definitely was overplayed by the production team or created by the production team but what was actually really enjoyed by the audience and by the by the twitter people that I saw you know I used to I was really into reading tweets about it at the time um was the community and the friendships and the way in which everyone supported each other and by the end it was like four couples who were all great mates and they were just having a nice time with each other and I think yeah that was definitely something that Love Island did that sparked the conversation about like mental health and looking after people who've been on the show and not torturing them in the way that they tried to so I think Definitely in Love Island terms, and I think the shelf reflects this too in the way in which Helly had the community of women really become mates and support each other and become friends. Um, I think that was a really interesting development that was in Love Island. I won't say that it's perfect and I won't say that every reality show does this. Uh, there are plenty of reality shows out there who really feed on the drama um, and things like that. Um, but I do think that like, we did see that with Love Island 2016 and that has been repeated in later seasons. And I think that's a trend that like Helly is aware of. Um, she says in like a letter at the end of the book, um, you know, I do believe reality shows have the power to sort of do this good stuff for people, but they just, they do have to be produced properly. It's definitely a caveat I would add to that. Yeah. And I think you're right in that that's been a something of a learning curve perhaps for TV producers over the past few years and realizing that you can't just kind of thrust someone into the public eye and mm. expect them to be able to deal with the potential hate or you know all of even even the love as well like basically just you know being thrust into the public eye in that way is not healthy or no, normal no. um you know so I, I think that is good that we're having more conversations about the nuances of reality tv fame um but I think you're completely right that actually whilst people love a bit of drama and they kind of love to kind of, you know, have someone to root for and maybe somebody who you're not rooting for. I think ultimately people look to reality TV to see their lives reflected. Yeah. You know, that's the whole concept, isn't it? Like reality TV. And whilst, you know, we might not have gone to a Spanish island and been forced to pair off with one of 12 men. men. Yeah, yeah. We have been in situations where obviously you've, you've had different sort of interactions with people and you don't know how to read them or you're, mm. you know, you know, you're not really sure whether someone likes you or, you know, all of the, all of those kind or of like had little to give moments. like bad news to a friend or something like yeah. that even. Right. Yeah. And I think I've been watching selling sunset recently and like there were oftentimes you're like some of the drama to you, to use that word again, 
is actually so minimal. It's yeah. just like somebody said something that was misconstrued by somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I can totally imagine being in this hat situation. I mean, I wouldn't kind of be arriving at this restaurant in my like six inch heels and then storm out upon hearing the, this news. But like, <laughs> you can imagine having those kind of like slightly awkward conversations or not quite knowing where you are with someone or or even just like, you know, trying to succeed professionally or whatever it is, like, you know, that you, you kind of see played out on screen. And I obviously am very aware that all of this is being kind of manipulated by the yeah, cameras, by the editing. Right. And again, that is like also referenced in the shelf as well. Yeah. You know, there's this whole idea of getting a, a villain edit, which I've seen talked about quite a lot. Yeah. Um, again, in regards to Selling Sunset, that there's a couple of characters who maybe don't come over so well. And is that actually fair or is that because it's been edited in a certain way? Yeah. Um, obviously, all of that you have to remember. But I do think that people, yeah, the reason people like reality TV is because these people are real. Yeah. You know, you can find them on Instagram and see that they are still living their lives that are similar to what you've been watching. And, and I guess that's just kind of slightly fascinating, isn't it? It's like yeah. having a window into... In, into human behavior yeah absolutely and i think you know there are definitely lots of similarities between how like you know people seem to go on these sort of even the vaguely sort of like flick uh, you know what the one frothy ones um like dating around for example which is where you go on like what one yeah. date maybe two get filmed probably get some money that's it like you know i i can understand where people are like yeah why not and that's kind of the attitude of the women on in, in henley's book um there are so many reality shows out there now with crazy concepts. And actually, you know, what is so bad, I suppose, about taking the year or even just taking like a week to go away and film a reality show? Like even the Great British Bake Off technically a reality show um, and it does change people's lives. Yeah. And yes, certainly there needs to be this element of like, how do you protect people? who are on the show uh, also from you know the fact that what if they if they want to grow a business from their in their now you know their now influencer brand they need help doing that in a safe and you know business savvy way right like there are some influencers out there who got their start from reality show and then now have a booming business so certainly i think there is a, a lot of good things about reality shows in that sense and like reality shows are kind of funny too right like if you don't take them too seriously like you shouldn't take Hedy's book too seriously or you'll get massively infuriated by the sexism like I yeah. do. Um, I think, you know, they can be fun. Like I have loads of different friends uh, who like random reality shows. You don't realise that they do. Like our, one of our friends, Faye, loves The Bachelor, Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And you're like, yeah. really? Or like other people, like Catherine really likes all those... Um, like grand people on holiday, old people on holiday reality oh, shows. Yeah, she does, right? yeah. And then like, <laughs> gosh, my parents, I, we, we, me and my sisters used to love um, Extreme Home Makeover, right? Which is again, a reality show about building people's houses and you would gawp over like the rooms that were so overly themed. You were like, how will the child ever grow up in this like racing themed room with a racetrack <laughs> when they're like 15 years old? But I do think um, that like, as long as you like, don't take it too seriously and also don't give them the power to actually start controlling you, uh, then, yeah, it's fine. There's some crazy stuff out there, right? Like reality, no, sorry, realtor, um, realtor um, thing shows are now huge, right? The ones about selling people's houses. Like it's not just selling sunset. There's a new one coming out, I think, on Netflix yeah. soon. There's a new one called like Million Dollar Beach House, yeah, I think. Yeah, and it's about like it. beach houses in Long Island. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, because the thing about, 
something like Selling Sunset is that you have got that kind of dual appeal of there are these women in the office and like we're kind of learning about their lives and they're very glam and then you've also got they're selling these like crazy houses and you'll have these like buyers come in who'll say kind of slightly bizarre things about you know how they need a giant wardrobe or whatever it is so yeah you do have that sort of like dual appeal and I think also you're so right about how you know, you'll you'll be talking to someone who you think you know really well, and then they'll suddenly reveal <laughs> that they have a love for a TV show that you've maybe even never heard of. Yeah, and they're like obsessed with it, and it's like you know, I don't know, like man versus food or something, and you're like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, you probably tell a lot about somebody by asking them what their favorite reality TV show is and yeah, seeing absolutely. what they say. Yeah, and there is this like idea that it's like a very lowbrow form of entertainment and again obviously there has been a lot of like very genuine negative press particularly surrounding love island yeah. in the past couple of years so i don't want to undermine that at all i think in terms of if you can enjoy something on just like a pure you know this is fun and this is kind of escapist and you're co- fairly confident that people aren't being hurt in the process then there's actually a lot to be said for reality TV. And and I have genuinely found that like things I've watched recently in that genre, I've like really enjoyed because it has felt like just basically taking like a kind of, I don't know, like the equivalent of like a warm bath. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm just like relaxing. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not trying to remember what happened in two series ago that I've forgotten, you know? Um, but also I think it can be a way of exposing some, interesting issues and ideas i mean again they don't always handle them as well as they could um what i'm thinking of that i also watched recently um has been quite talked about was the netflix show indian matchmaking which basically is about this woman who is a matchmaker based in india based in mumbai who goes and helps all these different people mostly in india but some in the us um, who are all of indian heritage who are thinking of having an arranged marriage right for numerous reasons like in some cases it's coming from a kind of sense of like parental um responsibility like that you know it's coming from parents in other cases it's like they just are kind of curious to see what that process is like and whether that might be a way of them meeting someone who they connect with but essentially, at its core, it's kind of like dating show because yeah. you see them go on different dates and you kind of see how it how it transpires. But also in the process, you you do learn. Again, I don't want to imply that you learn everything about yeah, the, sure. the what the um, arranged marriage process, but you do learn something about it, mm-hmm. and maybe it might make you curious to look up yeah. more about it. And it, it also exposes. It doesn't always highlight, but it exposes issues around like colorism and the caste system in India, yeah. because that is all kind of mentioned offhand in, in some of the conversations that the people are having. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, it's also really fun and quite addictive to watch. No, I definitely would watch more if I let myself. I used to have a big thing for snog, marry, avoid, which is definitely um, oh, yeah. any American listeners or non-UK listeners very very English and very stupid actually um, it was basically like about natural beauty and inevitably natural beauty was coded as white upper middle class and um, demure which is like mm, okay but still they used to send the people into this weird very sassy machine who would like change their look for them and they'd be like 
they'd give some like sassy remarks back to the machine and then a month later we'd see if they kept their look and half of them wouldn't half of them would and you'd be like "Ooh, i used to watch it so much and like whenever don't tell the bride is on tv i can't and someone chucks it on i can't not like watch it like transfix because i'm like how is literally don't tell the bride is like one of the most ridiculous shows out there but um yeah i do agree with you though that there's a certain level of like (sighs) reality shows are kind of definitely preying on people enjoying a bit of escapism for not always the right reasons right yeah that's true I mean I think it, it you know it can be dangerous as well to kind of like if you take it too much as gospel to like compare your life to somebody's life on a reality tv show yeah. which is probably never going to be good yeah and and also yeah there's there's definitely a lot of issues in terms of representation I mean with again we talked about this with Heli that you know like dating shows I think there has been a a real drive to make them more diverse in both in terms of race but also Mm. in terms of you know sexuality yeah but it can still feel yeah it can just feel a bit like stayed yeah I think it's definitely important to it's important to look at these shows critically it wouldn't be a good idea. I mean, this sounds really basic, doesn't it? But it wouldn't be a good idea to become obsessed with reality TV. Yeah, no, <laughs> So it I'm just making be. myself laugh because it sounds like the kind of thing that would be like in an article or in your like, magazine. You know, like, in PSHE or something. Girls, uh, <laughs> what do we not do with reality TV? We don't get obsessed. Yes, that's it. Oh, man. But uh, I don't know. I, I personally think that in moderation, as with all things, it is good fun. It and is. it is also a very interesting societal concept which i think makes it really ripe for exploring in a book like helly's or in um, the potential tv adaptation which i'm very excited yeah to absolutely see me at too some point. well i think that just about wraps us up and our our rant about reality tv <laughs> um certainly our rant slash ode i feel like it was ode, sort of yeah. some, somewhere in between yeah it was which is great isn't it you know both sides represented here um so yeah again if you have any thoughts about reality tv if you have one that you particularly like and want us to talk about or if you hate reality tv and you're like no it's vapid and silly let us know uh, our twitter as we said before is real llw our instagram is Love's Labour's Watched. And if you want to get in contact with us by email, uh, business inquiries, interview, pitches, uh, or anything else like that, um, we are loveslabourswatched at gmail.com. Uh, get in touch with us if you like. Um, yeah, yeah, we'd love to get emails. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And we wanted to say again, thank you so much to Heli Acton for coming on the podcast, discussing everything about the shelf with us. It was a delight to talk to her. And yeah, we really recommend the book and also very much recommend the audiobook because, I mean, we didn't even talk that much about Daisy Edgar-Jones, but obviously it was quite cool to listen to her. Yeah. Her accents are amazing. Obviously, we knew this from normal people, but yeah. like she does a an array of accents in this book and an array of different voices. And so, yeah. yeah, it was really fun. And remembering which one she put to which character is just a feat, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 When I was reading Breaking Dawn out to my flatmate, I couldn't keep my voice so straight. <laughs> It was very difficult, actually. But yeah, uh, we'll get back. We'll be get back with you. No, we'll be back with you in a few weeks with our another episode. But until then, stay safe. Um, enjoy the rest of the summer, and we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>